You're listening to a Walking in Purpose podcast. Hi, my name is Joan Valise, and I want to welcome you to the Walking in Purpose podcast. I want you to know you have a purpose and a destiny to fulfill, and God has provided you with all the resources necessary for your journey. No matter who you are or where you are, it's time to walk in purpose. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Walking in Purpose podcast. I'm glad that you're joining me today. I will be continuing to speak about topics that matter, especially in the times that we're living in with all the things that we are having to deal with, especially coming from the corona pandemic and how we need to continue to be a light in the midst of darkness. There are some things that I want to remind you of today and there are some things that perhaps you haven't heard of, but I think that the topic of today's podcast is one that we must be very mindful of, especially in these times. Because we have to constantly be aware of the fact that there is a war and that war is being fought every day. So before I get ahead of myself, um, I want to just thank you for joining me today. And I do hope that you will go ahead and pass this podcast on to someone that you may know who probably needs to hear it. And that way we continue to spread the word of God. And that's what's going to keep us in this time. Uh, Now, given the tragedy of the recent pandemic affecting our world... And the amount of effort that is being put forth by the media to instill fear into the hearts of people, it's honestly no wonder that so many are scared and wondering what the future holds. To be honest, it's taken a real effort to remain focused on the right things in order to maintain an attitude of faith. I know that God is good, and He's good all the time. I've seen so many testimonies, uh, not only this week uh, through our online services, But also, I have been hearing about people that have been provided for financially in this time, people that have been healed in their bodies. I hear of so many uh, family members that are coming to Christ in the midst of this crisis. So every time I hear something like this, it just reminds me, God is good and he's good all the time. And we have to understand that we live under that protection of his goodness. And that never changes because God doesn't change. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I want to talk to you today about a very real war that is taking place in a very real battlefield and how we can use the tools that we have been given in God's word to really prepare ourselves and claim the victory in this war. We have to understand that we're fighting someone that's already been defeated. You will always, always have this going for you. Christ has already defeated the enemy. Satan, the devil, he's been defeated on the cross. And as we just celebrated uh, Easter Sunday, I'm reminded of the fact that what we celebrate is not the time to go and, 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 and pick eggs or, you know, uh, we do this for the kids. But what we really celebrate during Easter Sunday is what the cross did for us. We celebrate the victory of the cross because we are included in that victory. We celebrate the victory of, of the resurrection because of what it means for us, because of what it did in our lives, what it means for us as believers, what it guarantees and what it represents. And that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Now, um, 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, 
and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want to point out from this scripture that we just read a very important distinction made by the Apostle Paul, who's the author. He said that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So right away, we know that there is a war and that it's not fought in the natural realm. It's fought on a different plane, one that we do not necessarily always see with our natural eyes or hear with our natural ears. In this realm, our natural senses aren't always useful, and sometimes they can even work against us. Now, the warfare is taking place in the spiritual realm, and because of this, our weapons must also be spiritual. It is of tremendous importance that we understand that the battle is taking place in uh, uh, where we have to understand where the battle is taking place. And I'll point out some words used by Paul in order to identify the location of this battlefield. Words like imaginations, words like knowledge and thoughts. Some other translations also use words such as reasonings, speculations, and arguments. Notice that each and every one of those words refers to the same particular realm. And I'm obviously referring to the realm of the human mind. So from all of this, we can understand that the battlefield is actually taking place in our minds. The devil or Satan is constantly building strongholds in people's minds. And the purpose of those strongholds or fortification is to resist the truth of the gospel and the word of God, therefore preventing people from receiving the gospel. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the stronghold or or what is what is a stronghold now a stronghold can be a predetermined way of thinking it could be a predetermined opinion it could be a prejudice whatever uh, establishes a predetermined answer or a predetermined way of thinking for example when people automatically tell you oh no i don't believe in that that's a stronghold when people say oh that's not possible that's a stronghold and it's been built in the mind to uh, keep people from being able to receive the truth of the gospel. Now, God has made provisions for us to be effectively equipped for this battle that we're fighting. And he has given us an armor and weapons to fight with. Today, I want to talk about one specific aspect of the armor, it being the helmet of salvation. Now, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 13, It says the following, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, as you can see from reading of that portion of Scripture, there's a whole armor that we get to put on. However, today I want to focus on the protection of our mind. A lot of people are struggling with depression and thoughts of hopelessness uh, and fear and doubt. And this is a sign that the area of the mind is unprotected. And at some point, we've given Satan to it. Now, before we continue, there's a couple of truths that I want to share with you about our minds. Number one, and if you take notes, I want you to take this as, down as a note and just meditate on this. 
The condition of our minds is going to determine the condition of our lives. The scripture says that as a man thinks, so he is. We have to be very diligent in watching over our thoughts and what imaginations we entertain. Because that that can be an entry point for a demonic spirit. That can be an entry point for a thought of hopelessness, of fear. And if we allow it, if we allow its entry by entertaining that original thought, then it can lead to a stronghold being built in our heads where then it makes it so much more difficult for us to accept the truth of God. The second thing I want to tell you about our human mind is that our dominant thought or thought patterns are going to give shape to our lives. Our attitudes, behaviors, or preconceived actions will come out of a dominant thought pattern. In other words, what you think about the most is going to determine what you do the most what you speak the most, what you treasure the most. When we think of a helmet, I, you, obviously you could tell that it protects the head, but what's inside of our head? Inside of our head, we have our mind. So then in this case, the real purpose of the helmet is to protect our mind. A person can have a strong body. You can be wealthy and have lots of resources. You can even possess great intelligence. But if your mind is not right, if, if, if your mindset is not right, if you're wounded in the mind, if, you're, if, you have, if you have a stronghold in your mind, then it's going to become very difficult uh, for you to make proper use of all these resources that you have. I remember a long time ago, one of my first jobs was as a concierge in an elderly living facility. And uh, one day they brought in this uh, patient whom everyone seemed to know. And after obviously asking some questions about him, I found out that he had been the CEO of a very large organization and he was a brilliant man. However, he had contracted a condition which affected his mind and as a result, he was unable to function even in the most basic forms of behavior. I remember thinking to myself, man, what a shame that someone with such proven intelligence and with all the prestige and resources one can possibly imagine This person has been rendered helpless because his mind stopped working right. Now, that was an example of someone in the natural. But the reason why I brought that up is because likewise, just like that person, there are many today who suffer from spiritual illnesses of the mind. There are strongholds that have been built in your mind and they prevent you from using all the resources that God has given you. Now, there are some who believe that once a person is saved after receiving Jesus as Lord in their hearts, that the helmet of salvation is automatically effective. But if we take a quick look at the scriptures, it'll show us that that theory is wrong. Uh, Let's do that now. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul was speaking to believers. I want to point that out. When he wrote to the Ephesians, he was talking to believers, not to unbelievers. These were people of the faith. Uh, furthermore, we read uh, the following on another passage of Scripture, this time on 1 Thessalonians 5.8. He says this, But let us who are of the, of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Here we get a closer look now uh, how the helmet of salvation is activated to protect our minds. It works by the hope of our salvation. So let's take a look at what hope is. Before we go into the biblical uh, answer of what hope is, I want to talk to you about what hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. 
It's not vain repetitions of positive things. Hope isn't self-help, and it cannot be obtained through self-help. And finally, hope is not merely positive thinking. Um, there is a, a notion going around that by repeating things or by constantly reading these self-help books or getting you know, uh, self-help videos, that that's going to give you hope. It won't, it, because hope is not a natural thing. So then, having excluded the things that aren't genuine hope, let's take a look at what is the real deal. What is hope? Well, true biblical hope is the expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. And it's activated by faith. I'm going to say that again. What is biblical hope? It is the expectation of good based on the promises of God's word and is activated by faith. Look at what it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the foundation for hope. It's the underlying reality uh, on which hope is built. And hope is an essential part of our salvation. So much so that the Bible says the following about our lack of hope before we were saved. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12. It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the condition that all of us have before we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I'm going to read that verse again because it describes the condition of the world today. It describes the condition of those who do not know the Lord. It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. In other words, we didn't have a promise to hold on to, having no hope and without God in the world. Being without Christ is the same as being without hope. And without God, that's, that's the condition. It's, it's being without Christ, it's being without hope, and being without God. That's the condition of those who lack uh, salvation and a relationship with Jesus. Now, furthermore, we can read in Colossians 1.27, this is what it says. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does this mean? It means that one of the main mysteries of the gospel, which is that Christ is in us, means that hope is also in us. So, because when we have Christ, we have hope. And the Bible tells us that hope is an anchor for the soul. What does an anchor do? Anchor sets you in place and keeps you from moving about. Think about a boat. Uh, when a boat is out in the open ocean and they need to stay still in a particular location, what do they do? They drop the anchor. Why? Because the anchor is going to keep them from being swayed by the wind, by rough waters. And that's exactly what hope does for us as believers. It anchors us in a particular place. And it doesn't matter what bad news come, what we see take place in the world. We are not moved nor swayed. Why? Because hope is the anchor for our soul. And it keeps us anchored where? In the goodness of God. 
in the faithfulness of Jesus. So all of that being said, how do we bring this down to a practical application? How do we put on the helmet? What does that look like in practical terms? We've examined that there is a helmet, there is a spiritual uh, protection that God has given us in his word. We've established that it is uh, used by faith because we cannot do anything without faith. So now how do we bring that down to a practical application? Okay, well, there's three things that I want to that I want to talk about. How do we put on the helmet of salvation? What does that look like in practical terms? Number one, we have to read and meditate on God's word often, daily. What you constantly hear, you eventually believe. And the Bible says that by faith, that the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Instead of paying so much attention to the doom and gloom message being fed by mainstream media today, you got to fill your head with the word of God. Facts change, but truth does not. And the word of God is not merely a fact, is the truth. God's word is truth, and that's above every fact that you can possibly ever consider. What you hear in the news today is a fact at best. Sometimes it isn't even that. So I'm not saying to be ignorant and to not be uh, aware of what's going on, but you cannot allow that to become your dominant reality. That cannot dictate what you uh, think about constantly. You have to meditate on God's word. You have to read it, think about it, meditate on it. That's how it becomes a, a truth in your heart. And when it does, then faith begins to develop. And as faith develops, hope comes in. And as the Bible says, that hope is what keeps you anchored and it keeps you stable. A lot of people are, are, are getting very unstable in, 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 in this time because they don't have hope. But it means that they don't know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus has already overcome the world and anything that may come from the world has already been defeated. Now, the second thing that I want to talk to you about how we can put on the helmet of salvation. How does this get activated in our, in our lives? Number one, read and meditate God's word. Number two, do not entertain the wrong thoughts. You have to be watchful over your mind. Remember, it is a territory and the enemy has the most interest on that territory. It is a coveted area and you must watch over it. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does this mean? It means take control over the territory of your mind by not allowing negative thoughts of fear, doubt, unbelief um, to grab a foothold in your mind. Whenever the wrong thought comes in, right away, you take it captive and you speak the truth of God over it. And you say, no, that's, I'm not going to entertain that. I'm not going to think about that. That's not true. I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And the third thing is activate the helmet of salvation. Put it on. How do you do this? In prayer, with your words, with your mouth. Literally, when you're in prayer, you, you, you put on the, the, the helmet. How do you do this? I'll give you an example. You're in prayer, and it sounds like this. Father, I put on the helmet of salvation to cover my thoughts, to protect my mind, 
so that no thought from the enemy can enter into my mind. And that's how you do it. There is no substitute for prayer. And I want you to know that where prayer lacks, everything else will lack. Um, that's, I, I, that's honestly, the, I, I would say that's probably the biggest deficit in the body of Christ right now. Genuine prayer. The people of God seeking God in a constant and genuine ongoing relationship with Him. Now, before we end today, I want to pray for those of you that are listening. Um, there are certain things that God has put in my heart to pray for. And I'd like to take a minute just to pray for you as, as, as we are about to close. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each and every person that is listening to this podcast. God, I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their purpose. And I thank you, God, that you have called them to be a light in the midst of darkness. And right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every demonic spirit of sadness and depression. I take authority over every spirit of fear and doubt. I take authority over every spirit of hopelessness. And in Jesus' name, Father, I command those spirits. I command those thoughts. I command those oppressions to loosen them right now and to go from their mind. I set them free in their minds. And Father, I declare and activate the helmet of salvation over them today. And I declare the mind of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare thoughts of hope. I declare thoughts of truth. And in Jesus' name, I command the enemy to loosen their mind. And I set them free today, Father, in Jesus' name. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you worship. Amen and amen. I'd like to take a minute to speak to anyone who's listening, but you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you would like to ask him to come into your heart today, repeat this prayer with us. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner, and my sin separates me from you. I repent of all my sins and confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with all my heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. The day I die, when I open my eyes, I will be in your arms. Amen. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, we want you to help us spread the word. Subscribe and tell others to do so as well so that you don't miss any future episodes. We bless you and we'll see you next week in the next episode of Walking in Purpose.